whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. And my guest today is a dramaturg, which is my favorite kind of guest. It's hey. Laura Esty Miller, everybody. Thanks. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. Good. And we're here. Oh my gosh. Laura, you unintentionally set me a task. <laughs> I should say I set myself a task. Let's be entirely fair. Um, because of your choice, which is... The one, the only, well, the six, or seven <laughs> or eight, six? the many, um, Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll and Hyde. This is the moment, my final taste, destiny beckoned, I never I guess you're welcome. Here we are. Well, no, I did it to myself. So as, as anyone who follows me on social media knows, I listened to six cast albums in preparation for this. Seven and a half hours for my sins. And it was my fault. I, I owned four of them before and then found out there were two more. Uh, there are two demo recordings. And so I went and got those and listened to them. I'm super glad I did that. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. We will talk about that. But first, I'm going to ask you how Jekyll and Hyde came into your life. Well, when I was in high school, there were a group of us who didn't have a whole lot of money. So we would kind of share mixtapes. Mm-hmm. Um Remember those? I do. Um, <laughs> Very well. We would make mixes for each other of just funny songs or, hey, this would be a good audition song for you. And so one of my lovely friends made me a mix that included <laughs> Bitch, Bitch, Bitch nice. and um, In His Eyes and a couple of other choice songs from this and a couple of other musicals Mm -hmm. and um this was the 1994 version right which is mainly what we're going to be focusing on right right um so i kind of fell in love with with this because i was an emo theater kid sure and um i had to get this entire album Mm -hmm. because you know, this and maybe a couple of other of the other songs that were on this mix were just too fantastic. <laughs> so, um, so I grabbed the whole thing. Yeah, like you would, because uh, it was just two hours of oh my gosh, gloriousness and ridiculous. So, how many of them do you have? I have two. Okay, and then I What's sought the other one out besides the Anthony Warlow, the 1997. But oh yeah, the Broadway one. Okay. Um. But it was, you know, they were three years apart. So yeah. I spent a lot of time with Anthony Warlow. Oh, sure. And and Lisa Carew. 
and in then the later concept, she's Emma Carew. Emma Carew. Now. <laughs> yes, now and forever she is Emma Carew. Right. It's what... a funny change because Lisa is such a name of its time. Like it's it's a but very seventies not... name. I was gonna say it is not an a period appropriate character name. Which no. Is, it, it, the only reason she's named Lisa is because the prostitute is named Lucy and right. so they wanted to have it be such a similar name yeah. to um to show the like good and the evil dichotomy, dichotomy of right, it. Exactly. And we will talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um but yes, yeah, so, and what was the do you have an, and you have another one or that Those were the two I spent the most time with um especially in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um I did have the wonderful chance to watch later versions. Uh-huh. Um after I met up with you and we talked mm-hmm. um, um, this past uh, winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found out that there was a, a filmed version starring one David, David, David Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff. Yes. I watched that. Yes, yes, yes. That was um, epic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen it. Oh, I've never seen. I should say I've never seen the whole thing. I've seen enough of it to know exactly what it is, mm-hmm. and, and I will watch it a hundred percent at some point. But Ooh. yeah, it's really all you need to know about this show is that its most successful version stars David Hasselhoff. Like that's kind of that tells you so much about content, target audience, like everything about the show to me. I is, guess that's you have to wonder what you mean by success. This is a hugely successful show. I mean, from Do a you mean from a financial monetar- standpoint, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yes. Oh. Yes, good. It is, but like, just for like bookkeeping purposes, lest it be thought, this is the second Frank Wildhorn mm-hmm. show we've done on this podcast, American Musical Theater Salieri, and um, I mean, the show ran for fifteen hundred performances on Broadway. It's still the fifty sixth longest running show in Broadway history. Um, it was one of three shows he had running simultaneously, along with Scarlet Pimpernel, mm-hmm. which we've done, and The Civil War, which I still maintain is literally the worst musical ever written um and i will i'll argue that with anybody who care to though i can't find any defenders of it no uh, i i think i've listened to as much of that as i can handle i saw it is Ooh. is is it is a pile of garbage and the which as i usually equivocate a lot on the show about well it's not for me it's not for everybody no the show is objectively poor uh but this show is his big show and if you go to his website you go to his wikipedia page like this is the show that he is known for and I'm fascinated by it because I just I came to it through the Colm Wilkinson Linda Etter highlights concept album. The show has, by the way, of the six albums I have, only one of them is of a production. There are five concept albums of this show, one of which happened after the Broadway revival, which is or Broadway production which is my favorite fact about this show it's just it's a con it's it boils down to what i really think about it which we'll get to in a, in a little bit but like so that's how i found it i just bought it in 90 or something because of the cover art really like and and it being dr jekyll and mr hyde and it had Cole wilkinson in it who i knew who he was and it just looked super neat and listen have you ever heard the the 90s ver like the er, the 90 version Before- of it or before the, the version right before the Anthony Warlow recording. Mm-mm, that's the first one I came to. It's super, it's a pop album, basically. And all the songs in it are kind of pop arranged. Um, it has a couple of the scenes in it, but it's it's all, you know, this is the moment, someone like you, no one must ever know. Like, it's it's the it's the big hits. 
And it's actually the album that made me develop my Colm Wilkinson impression because he just <laughs> sings. Him and uh, Frank Wildhorn's music is just such a combination of too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing. I, so too much. I saw the show mm-hmm. on its pre-Broadway tour in Wilmington, Delaware, where I'm from, at the Playhouse Theater. And I'm laughing because what I saw was not what made it to Broadway. Right after it finished in Wilmington, it got such bad reviews in Delaware, like anybody cares, but like got savaged. And they shut the show down, fired a bunch of people, brought in a new director and a new choreographer and redid it and also cut song, changed songs. That was when, um, I can never remember the name of the song. Uh, it's a bad replacement. And it always shocks me on the cast album. It, good and evil. How do you tell evil from good? Evil does well, good, not so good. Evil's the one that is free everywhere. Good is the one that they sell. You must decide which is heaven, which is hell. Good men maintain evil's a curse. But it is plain goods, even worse. Evil's the one that they tell you to shun. Good is the one to embrace. Say that and Satan will laugh right in your face. Replace mm-hmm. Bring on the Men, mm-hmm. which has since been flipped they brought back, back again. Yeah, yeah, because Bring on the Men's a much better song. Yeah. So many men, so little time. I want them all. Is that a cry? I don't know why they say that I'm too easy. They make me laugh. They make me cry. They make me sick. So God knows why. We say bring on the men and let the fun begin. A little touch of sin. Why wait Good and Evil is actually, this is why I love going back and listening to the early demos, because Good and Evil is from that like super early version of the show. Um, but what I saw was kind of a mess. Even at 16, I loved it. But it was a hot mess with like too much happening and also not enough happening. And, and they had this big scaffold. I'll never forget this big like moving scaffold thing that would move back and forth. But that was pretty much a lot of the blocking. During Facade, I remember it moved back and forth and back and forth like three or four times enough that I at 16 was just like even in all the like glaring I was like that's it huh like that's just gonna go because there wasn't any movement like people on the stage were standing still while this thing was going back and forth and I was like that thing's moving back and forth like a lot like that's sort of your big it's like like the turntable in Les Mis but it's way less impressive um and so I've seen the show I saw with Robert Cuccioli and a number of the original Broadway cast. Like, they fired um, the guy who played, is it Utter? What's his name? Utterson. Utterson. They fired him right after the production. They fired a lot of the cast. And that uh, and it was that, 
weird experience of seeing the show. And, and I, I now, listening to the Broadway cast album, actually think the Broadway cast album is the worst recording of this show in a lot of ways because it's the least fun. Which is why I'm kind of resisting watching the Hasselhoff video because I like I know he's super fun and super like over the top, but like that production feels a little less like flamboyant than it feels kind of neutered based on like what if, what what Jekyll and Hyde really is to me, which is just ostentatious, over emoting, and and I love every second. Of yeah. It. <laughs> the other version that I saw, and I'm jumping to sure. the end here, is um, Constantine. Yes. Which um, is the Merlis? yes, which or is the 2012 mm-hmm. concept album has him on it, yeah, and he where they discovered electric guitars and drums exactly, yeah, <laughs> with his with his super rock. Yes, I'm not going to ask you to summarize the plot because it is what it is. I, I sure. think, and it's very simple. But what do you think this show is about? Like, what is the point <laughs> of making this? A musical and telling this story. Have you ever read the book? Or no? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, what is the book? Let's uh, let's question this classic of, of of British literature. What is the novel about in the in the thematic sense? Obviously, not in the in the literal sense. It was written, I think, right around the same time as Frankenstein, right after Frankenstein, mm-hmm. I think, where they're trying to figure out, oh, how can we play God, mm. um, as as men yeah how can humans play god so um or what right do humans have to play god yes in the middle of what is a like tremendous scientific explosion right in whatever edwardian england it Mm -hmm. was yeah i i don't know if victorian yeah late yeah late victorian period um so so i think it's um it's technology and um the explosion of, of, um, well, understanding of the human body and, and surgery. Yeah. All, yeah. Becoming, all of these things are happening all at the things same Things that time. were formerly frowned upon are now becoming more and more acceptable. Yeah. Sort of scientific practices. Yeah. Right. So. And Nietzsche's writing about the death of God. Like all these things are happening. Kind yeah. Of the same time. So, so are they're informing each other. Yeah. And people are feeling like, oh, I, I have access to these things. Mm. I have access to um, to, to laboratories. I have access to, <laughs> <laughs> I have access to, um, to human cadavers. Mm-hmm. So why not use them right. in my experiments? Um, and if I can use them in my experiments, um, why don't I figure out what the actual ethics of that are? Mm-hmm. So, so they're writing about him. Yeah. Um, and so Jekyll and Hyde is all about how far can we go mm-hmm. with the the rights of mankind, the rights of humankind. Um, so, good and evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm quoting the musical, but sure. good and evil and their merits. Yes. Gotcha. Um, but you know, that's that's exactly what the book's about. That's what the story is about. Mm-hmm. Um, what rights do humans have to play God? Right, and there is a lot about underneath that the, which the musical does touch on a little bit, the dichotomy of 
English society at the time being very presentational and formal and wearing nice clothes. And then when the sun goes down, there's this darker side to what they do. This is on the subtext of the novel. I think it's not in the text itself, but there's this, you know, seedy underground of London that Hyde is allowed to explore and walk around in, which is not where Henry Jekyll lives. Absolutely as a character. not. Yeah. Um, so that's the novel, which is a classic. Right. <laughs> has survived and done many adaptations, obviously, there's movies and, and TV shows and things like that. There's also this um, possibility that it is also talking about England versus Scotland. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, I saw that in, in one of the articles I read. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, where Scotland has been, is supposed to be represented by Hyde mm -hmm. and is this under underground downtrodden dirty rough and tumble type of um scraggly thing that's this under undergrowth and london is this posh or not just london all of england, england is this yeah. posh um beautiful thing that has that has trampled over top of scotland mm -hmm. um and it's represented by jekyll and his trying to overtake um overtake Hyde but um Scotland is always there right um and you can't right you can't just you can't trample Scotland can't trample Scotland <laughs> <laughs> made a couple movies about that yeah uh so okay so those are some of the themes in the novel now the musical in whatever form you want to talk about it in, what do you think there's two questions, like stuff like this. What does the musical want to be about? And what is it actually about? What is it about? actually? Yeah. Um, I guess it depends on which version. Right. So let's stick with, let's keep with our text. Because the, 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 the Anthony Warlow 1994, it's called The Complete Work, is in, I know, which is hilarious because they made two more versions of it, is... Um, is bears more of a similarity to the 2012 uh, rock version than the Broadway version. Like the Broadway version is kind of an anomaly in the in this six album universe. Um, like I say, it's softer, but like a lot of songs that were taken out for the Broadway got put back in and switched mm -hmm. around and things like that. So I think we're pretty safe sitting on the Anthony Warlow version as the the version of the show and if you if you went to see it now when you like looking at the song list as i did it's a lot closer to that version than because even like bitch 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 which is a song that i love but does not belong in this show as it's redundant no. for the song before it is often re put in the show you can do it if you want to because it's so much fun lord and lady hair fighting over there darling do beware she's a bitch lady abadares having an affair with the butler there just a niche fine party divine party a touch tarty but stinking rich what a pretty smile, Mrs. Grenville, he's pity they are not all her teeth. Lord Devere as well, he's as queer as hell, and bisexual likes to switch. Delicious, and so vicious, a one wishes to bitch, bitch, bitch. It's fun, but it doesn't, it doesn't fit. No. You can't do facade and bitch, bitch, bitch. Right, They're redundant they, pieces of Exactly. Music. And facade is a better song, and covers more ground. 
because we don't really spend any time with all the characters that get covered in. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's fun though. If you live around here, you need cash in the bank. Cause the houses round here are all flashy and swank. And the front bit, ha, that's what's called a facade. All the people round here are as posh as can be. You won't see them hobnobbing with rubbish like me. It's the snob bit, also called a facade. This is what I learned going back. So originally, there's this song, which I'll play here, from the original version called The Ballad of Dr. Jekyll and yeah. Mr. Hyde. Yeah, have yeah. you heard it? Mm-hmm. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, one and the same on opposite sides, took a town on a terrible ride. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, a curious tale I have to tell. Of good intentions Gone straight to hell Dr. Jekyll's so good and kind A gentleman always so refined But lying in wait was another side All that's evil personified No matter what the doctor tried He was trapped forever In Mr. Hyde Which is Which wants to be like the Ballad of Sweeney Todd. Right. It comes up oh five gosh. or six times. There's so much. Yes. Yeah. No, this going. show wants to be Sweeney Todd it wants so to bad be you can Sweeney taste Todd. it. Oh my gosh, this show wants to be Sweeney Todd. There's also some um, Miss Saigon in here. Yeah. And and some Les Mis. There's a little bit of like all those Cameron Mackintosh 80s musicals. I yes. mean, it's just, it's absolutely in here. And... It just isn't any of those things. <laughs> and so that's what it wants to be. Yes, that's it what it wants, wants to be. It wants to be Sweeney Todd. It wants to be a little bit of Miss Saigon. Yeah. It's taking the it's taking threads of that. Yes. Um, so it wants to be those things. It wants to be but so what much. it actually yes, is. Yes, what is it actually, Laura? <laughs> it's so much of this emo gothic um. <laughs> Scoop like the singers scoop to where they oh gosh yeah need to be singing and I feel like every singer who's ever sung these role roles probably has like nodes on oh their vocal cords <laughs> except know? I would say Linda Etter who did so many productions of this so and and you can well because she was not married a, to, but she's married to Frank Wildhorn to, and I well, think was was part of me yeah. at the time. And was probably the only one who felt comfortable being like, I, you got to keep it. Can we not? Because her songs never, never go. Like her songs never have a like a, a major explosion where she has to finish on some kind of huge note. Except for Bring On The Men, which has that great finale. Um, but that's her first song. Like you can do it then. Then to the rest well, of the show. Well, her last kinda... song. What is her last song? Is like right before her character dies. Oh, yes. Is insanity. A new dream. 
To be very overtly strong-willed, independent, intelligent people. I mean, mm-hmm. Emma or or uh, Lisa. Lisa she, Emma, we got it. Lisa Emma, <laughs> um, <laughs> as she she openly states in like her first line. I am not the weak young thing you're seeking, Simon. Someone seventeen, obedient and sweet. I am not the protege to waste your time on. She then spends the rest of the musical, however, being tossed around by men. And it does. <laughs> and it's also, it's a weird place. I always think, like, the third version I listened to that song, I was like, it's a weird thing to, for a character at the beginning of a story to say they're complete mm-hmm. and then not have their journey be that they learn they're not complete. Like, usually if a character at the beginning states, I'm good, we're yeah. going to find out they're not good. Like right. They, that, but this is not, that is not Lisa's issue. Um she just spends the rest of the show being kicked around by Henry and her father and a little bit by Simon, who kind of wants to be a bad guy and kind of isn't ever really given the chance to be yeah. fully a bad guy. He kind of undermines their relationship. With this character, with Lisa yeah. Emma and not really Simon because he goes out, um, but with Lisa, Emma, mm-hmm. uh, John... Right. And her father, um, and uh, Henry, mm-hmm. they have a little chess moment because mm. they do um, his work and nothing more. Right. As his work and nothing more, he is obsessed. The man is driven. Just give him time. I ask no more. This work's crime to be forgiven. There's something strange. Unless I'm blind, I see a change of a bizarre kind. There's not at all Which sounds very much like the quartet from Chess. Uh, 
Just a scope. Just a little bit. Um, <laughs> it doesn't. It eventually sounds like you're sort of like. I remember listening to it, being like, "Is this once the round started?" I'm like, "Yeah, where are we?" But and it then, also sounds like the quartet from Secret, the Secret Garden. Garden. Yeah, which when I hear all these these three quartets um, mm-hmm. back to back, I go, "Is this? Are they pulling from each other, or is this just a thing I like?" That's a good question. Well. Contra, uh, I think it's called contrapoint. Yeah, contrapoint, where they're singing different melodies with different right. lyrics over mm-hmm. top of each other. Really hit Broadway peak with um, with Les Mis and yeah. the confrontation song yes. from Les Mis, which is just amazing. This is something that I sing all the time. Yeah. Um, whenever I have a cold and lose my and voice a little that, bit. You have the, 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 I, the resonance for it? I go... As low as possible. I was going to sing it, so oh. that's why I went away. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe I shouldn't sing it. That, no, I will mic. say, like, the ability to go, you'll wear a different chain. No, I kind of made it. You kind of um, did it. Kind of made it. But yeah, to have that, like, yeah, you need to have a cold or I, be a real bad. I lost my voice for about three weeks um, this fall. Oh, so did I. And there was something going <laughs> something around. going around, yeah. But when I get sick and lose my voice, I'm like, ooh, now I can sing Yes, I can do it. That There's low. that sweet spot where you're like, I sound great. And then it, you just can't talk and no, it's super it's annoying. Um, but yeah, so that, it was kind of in the air for that. I mean, chess, make sure I say this correctly. Chess predates Les Mis. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in the but pop. then they keep they keep going back to it. it. I think that the the most successful version of those three though is the one from Secret Garden, which is also the last one chrono- chronologically, because there's a reason all four of these characters are singing over top of each other. They're also all singing about the same thing. They're all singing about Archie and their opinions of him, and you know it's a past and present, and there's this love triangle we just kind of found out about, and it's all this, right. you know, stuff's going on. I can arrange what he wants, do he's this. left it all to me. Now he can have what he wants, unfettered he Don't will be, this. set him free set him to wander through the world, let him go his lonely way. And I long to join them, know the peace they feel, their journey come. Yeah, sound. it is, which is, <laughs> I the, love it is also, that so show much. is the most dramaturgically sound of all the shows we've mentioned so far. It, 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 uh, but in chess, it always feels like a gimmick to me. And in fact, in the original concept album, they start out singing over top of each other. So you never really hear what any of them is saying. 
at least in the Broadway version, that you hear all the lines and then they sing over top of each other. Mm-hmm. So that's kind yeah, of yeah. like a better way to do it. Here, it just feels like we didn't know how to end the song. <laughs> so we're <laughs> so just, just going to keep you know going. What we can do. Or actually, it feels retrofit. It feels like we're going to end this with, a, I should say, with a contrapoint. So, because the melody lines don't sound finished until you put them all on top of each other. And I go, oh, oh that's nice. I hear what this that's is. Good. Yeah, yeah. All right, fine. But so it was obviously written that way and then be- had to go back and extract them so we could have the characters make their points. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you're right. There is this little, that is a dramatic kind of moment of pick or choose, you know, blank or get off the pot kind of situation <laughs> for all the characters. And, and, and Lisa Emma holds her own pretty well in that oh, yeah. scene against her dad. Um, but I mean, ultimately, she's a she's a, a a fiance devoted to her fiance, which is great. Uh, but he treats her like oh, garbage. terribly. Yeah, um, garbage. It's all sins of omission with Jekyll. He's just not telling her what's going on, and she's sort of believing that no, he knows what he's doing. I, yeah, and he really super doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, she's. She, she's blindly faithful in him yeah she which i guess makes her telling her father you have to believe in him yeah his work is really important and she believes that because he's telling her that right but he has absolutely no idea what he's doing so this is our first issue yes so because on the other side as we said at the beginning set up with this good and evil dichotomy mm-hmm. is uh lisa no, she, she's Lisa. Lucy. I'm kind of glad they changed these names. Now. Yes. <laughs> Lucy, who is prostitute slash cabaret singer. <laughs> You're my favorite kind of character in a Victorian musical. And <laughs> she is also set up to be, especially with Bring on the Men, uh, a independent, um, sexually uh, independent and sexually aware uh, woman in a time where that would have been virtually impossible. Right. Who then, this is the part that I get confused by, and maybe you can help me with this. Who does she fall in love with? Is it Jekyll or is it Hyde? It's Jekyll. It is Jekyll. Okay, so Jekyll comes to the club and with John and sees her perform. For like a bachelor party type of thing. Kind of thing, yeah. And it's it all by Jekyll sort of also trying to explore the darker side in relation to his, there's some kind of excuse. I remember where he kind of pushes John into the club and like, no, we're, this is what we're doing here. We're, this is confusing in the musical setup. Okay. Um, because I didn't understand until watching the video, the video okay. that it was John bringing Jekyll. Okay. To which is not the version I saw, but okay, yeah. We so they might have changed. They might have changed that. Yeah. Um, so in the musical, on film, it looks like John is the one bringing. And it is a real like bachelor party kind of thing. No, we're going to the or stag night. As I they mean, would call it in Britain. Who knows right. um, exactly how <laughs> it's set sort of up? Go but there. <laughs> it, it looks like it's John who is the one being like, "Let's go out for your sure for your." After yes, the super stressful night. engagement party in which you were the reason which, it was so stressful. <laughs> right. Which you and you and Emma are like off singing how much you love each other. Take me as I am. So many moments in the show where people just step aside and sing, sing and, something. And then and then go back to the, the scene. And then you have your quartet 
Yeah, that's in true. Which everyone's okay. fighting. Right. Uh, and then he meets Lucy. So Lucy falls in love with Jekyll. With Jekyll. But Hyde stalks Lucy. Right. Okay. Um, and Lucy's afraid of Hyde. Well, yeah. Because everyone's she afraid of dumb. Hyde. Yeah, everyone's afraid of Hyde. Um, but she falls in love with Jekyll because, because um, they have this night at the club. Um, and he gives her his card mm-hmm. that says, if any time, you know, yeah. he says, if any time you ever, you ever need a friend. Um, and it says, Dr. Jekyll, Dr. Henry Jekyll. Mm-hmm. And um, he lives on this posh street. So she thinks that she's made it because she's made a friend that lives. Yeah. In the nice part, in of, town. The nice part yeah. of town. So she, when she's hurt by Hyde later, when he comes to find her, mm-hmm. Um, but, but Henry has no idea that this has happened and she comes to find him and is healed by, Mm -hmm. and she's healed by Henry. Um, she is a little clued in to the duality of his nature, but not totally. Right. Cause she never knows. No one ever knows. Right? Not really. Not really. People John are, knows eventually. It's a little bit of a Clark Kent situation. Yeah. Especially on stage when they're yes. wearing the same clothes. And he goes like this. Well, right. So the big thing on the stage. That's really and I, great for a podcast. Me just right. You're flopping your hair. Yeah. Because what it. Because, well, that's the thing is that the trick on stage was that Robert Cuccioli had lovely hair, great as hair. I say, and it was all the way pulled back in a ponytail and neat when he was Jekyll. And when he was Hyde, he took it out of the ponytail and threw it in front of his face. Right. And. I remember the review in the paper commenting on how dumb that was. That did not change. A lot of things changed about the show. That has never changed. That is the way we know the difference between right. Jekyll and Hyde. And I'm kind of fine with that. Like I can, it it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, he still wears a top hat and nice clothes and like. And it should be noted that one of the things about all the other transformation descriptions in the novel or in other movies has been. I mean, it's like a werewolf. He becomes like this sort. He becomes more of a creature than yeah, they a show person. Him, um, he kind of crouched, crouched and, and he like yeah, humpbacked. And, and all all Hyde does in the musical is like let's say take his hair out, wear his hat a little lower over his eyes, and like loosen his collar, and that means he's he's Hyde. He's, he's Hyde. And he growls. And he growls. And I will say, I think Robert Cuccioli does the best Hyde voice of all of them. I think that his I, hi- on um. For the majority of the um, recording, I would agree until yeah. you get to um, the very last song, the confrontation song, or yes, the finale the scene with the confrontation song. Okay, yeah, the confrontation song, and then I would say for me it switches to Anthony Warlow. Okay, because Anthony Warlow for the confrontation song, I went. It might also be a matter of. Um, of the amount of time I've spent with the, with the, the recordings, I, I will say like all the the people who have sung Jekyll on recording, um, it was I mean these are it's a you know Comb Wilkinson, Anthony Warlow, and um, Constantine and his last name I cannot pronounce. I will try, um, but it's also on the on the demo recordings. It's Chuck Wagner who uh, was in the original... Great name, right? It was the original cast. I feel like I know him. He was in the original... He was Rapunzel's Prince in the original um, Into the Woods. Okay, yeah. He's played Javert on Broadway. He's played Rapunzel... Or Cinderella's Prince on the tour. He has a... Like, he's got a true... That baritone Mm -hmm. range to him. Um, 
So these are not slouches, none of these no. voices. Robert Cuccioli has the weakest voice of all of them. Um, or at least the least, I don't know, least strong is another way of saying weak. But it, 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 I don't know how else to describe it in the sense that it's a lot airier. And it's a little... It doesn't have the range. Doesn't have the, it doesn't also have the, the force behind it, mm-hmm. I don't feel like. Um, so when he but when he becomes Hyde I feel like his gravitas mm. really kicks in and he's doing a really interesting job um but as Jekyll I find him to be the least the least interesting and I like Anthony Warlow I think the most as as Jekyll I like his but I say one of the things I think you have to do with this show is that it is well, actually, hang on. Let me finish the thought about about Lucy first. So, like the thing about Lucy being uh, theoretically this sexually independent, again, strong-willed woman who falls in love with Henry Jekyll. She ultimately, again, isn't. She's beholden to Jekyll, and then killed through like a total lack of agency by Hyde. Um, and it, and also she has what is far and away the most troubling song in the show to me. Um, there could be so many. Which one? The Girls of the Night. Oh, which the, doesn't make it into... Which gets cut the, for the Broadway, uh-huh. right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But then returns for the 2012 Broadway. So it's, okay. it's, it's, it's back, which is all the pro- mainly Lucy, but all the prostitutes singing about how yeah. being a prostitute is the worst. And fine, like, I don't know. I don't know any sex workers. At least I don't think I do. And I, I have no idea what their life is actually like. I understand it's not a career that anyone majors in in college. But the the explanation as to why it's the worst is such a male centric presentation of of that life, right? That it's absurd. I mean, it's just at some point, like minute three of the song, you're like, stop talking about this. You clearly have <laughs> no idea. Least of all, in addition to the fact that it's prostitutes in Victorian England. Nighttime is where we live. Night is when we give everything we have to give. Most lovers can rejoice. We don't have a choice. We just know we have to give. That's why the day can never be bright for the girls of the night. What are you doing right well, now? Well, this entire... This entire musical could be said. Oh yes, that way. True. Like, yes. You, this is all. All of this could be just <laughs> thrown out the window because of what you just said. Yeah. Because it's all like, no, the women in this, except for Emma, are all dealing with syphilis. Right. And um, well, you could stop there, but like right. ev- everyone is dealing with an insane amount of misogyny and from a writing um, standpoint like it's just yeah, yeah it's it's crazy it's absolutely crazy and but like these characters are supposed to be set up as the good and evil dichotomy mm-hmm. uh, lucy and lisa lisa emma and that raises also a lot of problematic yes. issues yep. because if lucy was fully realized fully like cool out independent woman victim of circumstance let's mm-hmm. say and presented as the evil then but like the sexual liberation is is obviously a good thing and lisa is prim proper complete but like kind of repressed 
then maybe we're making interesting comments about what we think are good and evil. And also the fact that like if Hyde wasn't running around killing people, if right. he was just sort of out there and like a released version of Jekyll who turned out to be like selfish and repressed, like that's interesting. That's an interesting commentary on good and evil. That is not this show. I want to rush really fast to say <laughs> that is not what this show is in any sense. No. But what it ends up then being is setting up the idea that the good woman is kind of mindlessly following this dude who's doing some pretty bad stuff. Right. And the bad woman is fine. Like she's actually she's she's abused. Like all the bad stuff's happening to her. She's not bad. Right. In this, yeah. And it's making such a horrible commentary, like you're saying, yeah. about Un- completely what, unintentionally. What good and evil Yeah. I don't know. Well I don't know think if about it's unintentional. This is my thing. I it's mindless. It's mindless. It absolutely it's intentionally ignorant. It's not trying to be stupid. But this is why a book writer is so important to yes. a musical because the this the characters, the story, it all just happens. It's because... setting up the um or it's it's not setting up. It is um reinforcing the idea of the virgin and the whore over and over right. and over, over and, and over, over again. again, but doing it in a super it relies so much on our collective unconscious knowledge of Jekyll and Hyde to get yeah. us through. And then also uses these tropes kind of willy nilly, irresponsibly even just yeah. throws them around and just relies on our understanding of the woman in white is the good one. And the woman in black whose body is the bad one. Right. And you'll get that. So I don't have to explain it. I don't have to dig any deeper in that because the actual villain of this damn show is Jekyll. Right. He's the how, one who's playing God. Right. He's the one who took the potion very irresponsibly. Mm-hmm. Like his he he present he he is railroaded by the board of governors in the hilariously over the top scene. But I the think. board of governors were the ones who were saying, Don't do this. You have absolutely no right to play God. Right. They tried to stop him from doing this. Right, but they're all bad people. So we, But what makes them bad? Well, that's the thing is is because we're told they're bad people. Right. That's why they're bad people. Because they're, they're also... And they kind of snarl when they sing. Right. Yeah. That's what That's makes how them makes them bad people. Bad for putting bad in In quotes. big quotation marks. And makes it okay for Hyde. They're bad because they told him no. Yes. First of all, they told him nay. I would like to say. Nay. And they nay, told him nay, nay. They a sang lot. It. <laughs> a lot. And I'm going to play that here because it's hilarious. It is kind of hilarious. Abstain. I need more coffee. This show isn't waking you up. <laughs> Woke me up yesterday. I couldn't believe it kept going. After well, you se- listened to it for seven so, hours. But these things, I'm really like, I shouldn't have done. One part of me is like, you shouldn't have done that. But in one day, it's a lot. It's, it's a, lot. a lot. of I should have. But I wanted okay. to do it in one day because what happened happened is that I noticed two things. I noticed this show doesn't have anything to say, even though it pretends to. Because no version of it has anything to say. But the other thing I noticed is at some point, I think the Warlow recording, which I didn't really think before, is the best recording of this show. Because at some point, it suffers from like Star Wars syndrome, where they just kept writing it, and eventually they took everything out of it that was interesting. It kind of ended up being this very flat 
bo- we forgot what made this show fun. What makes the show fun is that it's bananas. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is completely insane. And the minute it starts taking itself seriously, it's not fun anymore. Because the early versions of the show have all these problematic moments in them. But, like, it also has, I have to say, and I don't know how much you agree with me or don't, but these are the maybe the worst lyrics of any Broadway score. I absolutely agree. It's crazy how bad is, these lyrics are. This is why I think it was so fun to listen to when, I think we're at the same age, when yeah. we were... yeah. Oh, because you! 15, I learned 16, the words 17. to this, 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 these songs like that because yeah. it, you kind of walk out of it being like that thing you do often when you hear people who are like first-time songwriters write songs. You're like, what do you think? It's like, well, it rhymes a lot. I mean, like, <laughs> it, it definitely rhymes. You it's pick, easy to pick up. It's certainly because, yeah, yeah. You know how much fun is it to sing "Bitch, Bitch, Bitch"? Right. <laughs> and the oh my god, that's actually might be the best lyrics and in the show. Nay, nay. <laughs> the chords are so crazy in this show. But the other show I kept thinking about a lot listening to these over and over and over again was Phantom. Yes. Which it bears more than a striking resemblance to, but it is a gothic musical. Right. Mm-hmm. It's very dark. Like the lighting, I mean. Um, <laughs> subject matter, also like Phantom. Not dark at all, really. Uh, but I think where Phantom succeeds where this show fails is that Phantom doesn't have anything to say about anything. It's not a well-written musical from a book standpoint. The score is what it is. Like, I've talked about Phantom before. But... My eyes just rolled, rolled to the back so of big, my head. Right, and she had to pick them up <laughs> off the floor. But the thing about Phantom is Phantom does not ever pretend to be about anything. Phantom just is what it is. Mm-hmm. It knows exactly what it is. It is a spectacle Right. With loud music that plays all the right keys. It rely, just like Jekyll and Hyde, it relies on your knowledge of the subject matter to get you through the plot. Right. But it does it successfully because it pairs that plot all the way down to its barest essentials where it's a love triangle. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. It's still three hours long, but whatever. But it doesn't pretend to have anything to say. It's not making any grand claims about anything, really, except music right. as a, like, a good thing. And we kind of can all agree on that, so right. we can move on. This show desperately wants to be about the dichotomy yes. of human existence, mm-hmm. which is what facade sets us up for. This idea that like, and does it very well, that this is going to be a show about how we have one face in public and one face in private. And it's going to tell you over and over and over. over, and over. I wrote down, <laughs> oh, this song is like Skid Row. This yes. song is like... Mm-hmm. That's um, the that's um No Place Like London. I mean, it, yes. it, it's like, mm-hmm. except it's instead of being two small verses sung back and forth by two characters it's a huge chorus number that takes uh four minutes at the top of this musical so they're pulling their favorite songs from yeah their favorite music but that's the thing is it's written that's how it feels to me is it it is it is like i say it has great influences like frank wilder and like leslie brickus who wrote the lyrics like it's actually written the original versions was also written by a different lyricist. And let me tell you, the lyrics are no better um, <laughs> by Steve Cuden uh, and the original yeah. demo recording, which I highly recommend listening to. Like you don't need the the second demo recording is two discs and huge and, and kind of bananas. The first one is is great. Ten songs. You're in, you're out and you have so much fun. Um, it's all on YouTube. You can you can find it readily. But the uh, those lyrics are no better. In fact, they're kind of they're, they're worse, certainly than than Leslie Brickus. But Leslie Brickus is an accomplished songwriter. Oh, yeah. I mean, all the musicals he wrote and songs he wrote with uh, with Anthony Newley and, uh, you know, and he wrote, obviously, all the songs to um, 
uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, okay. uh, the Gene Wilder movie. Like, the man can write right. a song. He knows what he's doing. And it is insane to me that that theater professional came to this project and wrote these words and then didn't change them. Like you go, the show underwent so many rewrites, but it just feels like they just kept adding things. They didn't take anything away or redraft. It just kept throwing things on top. And there's one song in particular, I I wish I'd made a note of it, that has so much rhyming in it. It might be his work and nothing more. Now it comes later in the show. Maybe it's a dangerous... It is. It's a dangerous, dangerous game. game. They rhyme... He really pulled every word that rhymes with game, and you will hear it in this song. Silence. Like a tiger to tame And the no one's to blame It's a crime and a shame And, and the angels proclaim It's a dangerous game It's a dangerous game Such a dangerous That the, it just keeps going and going and going and going and going. And you're just like, I, I got it. Again, it's over four minutes long. I got you two and a half minutes ago. It's crazy. There's so much in this musical that you just, you kind of go, do they feel like we need a song for every Everything. nuance of Everything. emotion? I guess we do. We do. I guess we do. With so much step forward and sing. This is the moment being the best step forward and sing moment in any show. Which originally, this is the moment was originally, I found out listening to the demos, the finale. It was right, it was him resolving to kill himself to destroy Hyde. Exactly, right? Like you're like, okay, all right. But now it's the act, it's the middle of act one right before he takes the, the medication. But so what he does in the scene, I remember again watching this on stage. He's got it all mixed up. It's right there in front of him. And then he's going to take three minutes to, to sing, sing a song about, <laughs> about the moment. He's going this to moment, take this momentous sing. moment. <laughs> the lyrics to this moment. Are so good. So, so great. You can't try to write stuff like that. That's the uh, thing. If I sat down and tried to write a song that had lyrics this bonkers, I couldn't do it. Because I would go, nah, that's too, that's too it's crazy. It's so too dumb. It's, and yet, Laura, I love it. <laughs> I, I do. I do love it. I, I want to stress that over and over again. I unironically, kind of ironically, love listening to Jekyll and Hyde know, because it is, like I say, it commits to what it is, which is nuts. It's absolutely nuts. It, it's just, and I would. Lo- I told my wife this morning, because I can't also stop singing it. I'm like walking around singing different songs, which she's begging me to stop because they're catchy and they get stuck in your head. Um... <laughs> And I would love to see a high school production of this show so badly. Oh, they knock it out. Because there'd be, be so much of that, 
that choreography that's like the walking across the front of the stage while they sing facade or like big chorus numbers happening. I mean, it would just be they'd be chewing the scenery and that's what this show needs. Absolutely. Because this is the other thing that occurred to me during confrontation again after listening to this show over and over and over again. Hyde is ostensibly You've got to do a full brain bleach. I can't this. even like <laughs> uh Hyde is theoretically Jekyll's enemy. And then the right. confrontation is certainly presented that way. There's also way too much religious Christian imagery in the yes. show for my taste, mm-hmm. but whatever. Let's put all that aside. Um, the Hyde is self-aware evil yes. and fun and likes being evil and uses the word mm-hmm. evil a lot. Again, mm-hmm. put that to the side for a second to draw my major point, which is that if he's Jekyll's enemy, why is he going around killing Jekyll's enemies? Because it seems like as the id, theoretically, right. he is, is acting out the things that Jekyll can't do right that jekyll as a rational being has all these enemies and he's rude to them he has some pretty good quips at him but he's not going to kill him and hyde takes revenge on jekyll's enemies for jekyll it's a flawed idea we that is the nicest thing you the way you could (laughs) because in the original version and i'll play this clip there's this great song um uh about murder not i mean it might be the original version of murder murder Mm -hmm. which is also hilarious uh, again, that had the, the thing going back and forth uh-huh. a lot, as I recall in the staging, um, where he, in the original demos, he's just killing prostitutes. It's a lot more like um, Jack, Jack the Ripper. And they then added later this bit about him uh, killing the good board of governors, which makes a lot more sense. Like, mm-hmm. again, dramaturgically. Right. OK, great. We've introduced these characters. Right. We don't like these characters. Let's kill these characters. We we can do that. Which is what the book is more yeah and he did in the version i saw anyway every time before he killed somebody he called them a hypocrite as i say so if hyde as the id hates hypocrisy if that's what he's against okay again i kind of get that but that isn't again how it this is this this is not what happens this is what the musical (laughs) wants to have happening but this is not what's actually happening and it's relying on us to fill in the gaps and we're doing that because we like to think about these things but it's just yeah man it just what I meant by it's a flawed yeah. idea is like if if Hyde had actually gone around and killed He should have killed Sir Danvers. Yes. He should have killed John. Yes. He should have be ruining Jekyll's life. If yes. he's really Jekyll's enemy. Or if he were going around and killing the people that um Jekyll actually wanted to kill he wouldn't have killed Sir Danvers because Sir Danvers is Is a good guy is Emma's father right so why would he kill him yeah exactly it doesn't make any sense killing Simon makes Makes perfect sense makes and it's great I mean in the way it happens and I but then the confrontation should be about how I'm better at being you than you are you don't Mm -hmm. have the guts right to do what needs to be done and I'm doing that and that again is an interesting fight the stronger personality should win out Right. Not the evil personality. Yes. And that's the a, one who deserves to be here. Should yeah. Win should out. win. And we, but of course, as I say before, Jekyll's not a good guy. This is the other problem of this show. Like right. if you think about what he's doing to his fiance, who he loves, which we know, cause they sing about it a ton, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> like a ton. Uh, he, and what he's doing, they also try to add this little motivation in the Broadway production, which was in the version I saw where he's with his dad, Jekyll's with his father at the asylum, right? At the, the very criminally beginning. insane. At the I think beginning. this is in all the versions. Okay. Or at least the versions that I know of. In the yeah. very beginning, the motivation from the start yeah. is 
that Jekyll wants to take on this project because he believes that um, he can drown out the evil in someone because he thinks that his father has gone to the asylum because his goodness has been drowned out by evil. Right. That there's a good man inside the bad Mm -hmm. man who is in this asylum. Right. And if you can separate the two, Mm -hmm. the good man can be free from the bad man. Right. Um, Which is still like, it's interwoven in all the songs, but on the Colm Wilkinson CD, it's just that standalone section with the friends you're aware. There are two sides to each of us. And it's just, so crazy. I, every time I hear it in, also with the lyric. I have developed an actual reality, chemical formulae which could and would alter the patterns of man's personality, guiding him either to evil or good. It's just, again, these lyrics are insane. But I have to stop saying insane because it's terrible. But like, it, I can't, like the, the word that keeps coming out of my head. I... I, I it wants to say so much. It wants to be. It, and adding that motivation to me only draws attention to the fact that the show has nothing to say. The character's unmotivated. He's Henry Jekyll. What does Henry Jekyll do? He makes Mr. Hyde. That's what Henry Jekyll does. And when you try to put on these, you add these things to it, Of, of uh, it, it just takes away ultimately from what the story is about, which is we have a public face and we have a private face. Mm-hmm. And you are both. And mm-hmm. if you try to separate them entirely, what you end up with is wholly unsatisfying on both ends. And they you're start, ripping and they the fabric of apart. reality. What's your favorite song? Um, I have a lot of nostalgia for um, Take Me As I Am. It's not a great No, but it's song. It's above average um, in this show. I, I like uh, In His Eyes because I have... A lot of love for two women singing together. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the contrapuntal. Yeah, his um, work and nothing more. Quartets. Right. Um, yep, those are good. Um, <laughs> I'm flipping through the song list here. I'm trying to come up with my favorite song, and I just can't because, I mean, probably a obje- facade's really facade fun. is probably <laughs> bring on the men's really fun. Bring on the men's fun again. Super long though. Like that song, they're all they're all too long. I mean, it's really the the bit of it. Um, yeah, I would cut each of these songs by like at least a minute. I think maybe objectively the best song in it is someone like you. Yeah, right. That's yeah. probably objectively I've, the best. Song. I've used that as an audition song. Yeah, when I used to act. Someone like you found someone like me. Then suddenly, nothing would ever be the same. My heart would take wing, and I'd feel so alive if someone. doesn't have i mean the lyrics aren't great but they're also not None of them are. but the, but they're not i mean like this is the moment the most famous song from the show really really folks go read those words and like i imagine... know so many people who've used that as an audition song and when we were first talking about this yeah. is the moment and you said that used to be the end of the show yeah that makes so much more sense yeah um but I I also feel like that song could be taken out of the show 
and put in at any point. Any show. Put it. I mean, it, it's such a catch-all, mm-hmm. rousing. I'm gonna do something now. Yeah, it you could be just put watch. into any show, but it also could be put into this in the show. show at mm-hmm. any point. No, this is the moment. Yeah. No, wait. This is the moment. Hang on. Hang this, on. This, this is, is the, the moment. moment. Right. This is the moment. Reprise four. Actually, all those other moments they weren't as good as this. This moment. one right this here. This one's like a super important moment. This right. momentous moment. I really like hearing Cole Wilkinson sing this momentous oh, moment. Hilarious. Is just. I mean, he's 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 giving far too much, and the song is just giving him far too much in return. I mean, it's just like. I can't yeah. wait to hear that in his wonderful accent damn all the odds this day or never i sit forever with the gods i mean come on gang i'm not listen i've written lyrics and i'm not saying i'm stephen sondheim or even tim rice but like i'm better than this (laughs) just try again just give it like that's a good okay great we've got the one that rhymes a lot now let's kind of go back and go would anyone ever actually say or think this not, not really, probably. Like, it, oh man, it just feels so. Well, it's weird. clear that they did for six albums, but they kept. <laughs> they, but that's the thing is, like I say, they keep adding. They don't. They never really go back and really look at the material in any, especially considering how many years there are in between these recordings and these productions. There was never a point where everybody sat down and went, "Let's go through this thing line by line." And go, does it make sense? And what kind of rewriting do we need to do? The the fixes, quotes, between the tour version I saw and the Broadway production really are just reinstatements of old material to take out problematic new material. Yes. And then that new material is reinserted because it's better than the other material. Like it's just they go, Oh, why did we take this out? It was so ta- good. Yeah, why did you take out Bring <laughs> On the Men? It's just like, I mean, it's a dumb scene. So give it a dumb song that's big instead of a dumb song that's small and also so thematically on point with a title like Good and Evil. It's crazy. Like you're just, that. that's, now we're, we've put a hat on a hat. You can't, <laughs> to stop it. Stop it. Just you stop. You really need to watch I am going the video to. I'm 100% going to. Of what they do during Bring on the Men. In, oh, I'm 100% um, going to do that. In the Hasselhoff, or yeah. no. No, in Good and in Evil, the, yeah. In the Constantine Morales Oh, that version. version oh, okay. Because in... It's so different. In the Hasselhoff version, they're doing this like almost, it's almost like a majorette, uh-huh. what they have her doing. Um, she doesn't have a baton, but she's kind of like leading. That's as I recall the staging being. And like there were these, she was flanked when I saw it by two men who were dressed half as men and half as women. Yes. Who kind of did spins next yes. to her for a Okay. Well, I'm glad they said they just put it all right back in. Yeah. <laughs> So, so she's. It, it wasn't like she was leading a chorus or even right. like a kick line. She was, but she it's was march, definitely though. leading a yeah. march. Yeah. Um, in the Constantine Morales version, she was standing on like a raised platform that was. It, it looked like just a huge chair, and it was surrounded by strings. Um, and other people in the audience, uh, in the audience uh, at the club, at yeah. the club had, had the ends of the strings that were being tied up. So it was like light bondage, I guess. I don't know. I don't know yeah. who was in charge of those strings because they just kind of came into the scene like that. Right. 
Yeah, whose job was it at the club to be in charge of the string? I don't know. String wrangler? Does the the, the red rat has a string wrangler? I suppose. On staff? Um, Those are expensive. Because they were... Because <laughs> people were um, coming around and, like, making them tighter. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so while, while Lucy's singing, um, people are being tied up and being tightened and passing strings over and going under strings it just seemed really complicated right to remember who was connected to what string and like what string she had to go over and under did it look neat it looked like overly complicated that which is a perfect metaphor for yeah (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) you went too far you thought too hard (laughs) this show takes occam's razor and is like no the simplest answer is never the right answer the very most complicated. Also, as we're talking about Bring on the Men and it's playing in my head, I am now realizing that Bring on the Men is basically mine hair. Yes. It's just mine hair, like a, a reworking of mine hair. It um, seems like what they did, and we've said something yeah. like this before, is what's the best song that we can think of about this what's kind of yeah. thing? What's this scene? This scene is where we walk into a club and a woman sings a song. Okay. What's the best version of that? Let's cabaret. Okay. Let's write that. Let's plagiarize it, kind of. Kind of. It's a sound. I mean, it is not literally mine hair. It, right. it, but it's an umpa club number mm-hmm. in the same way that mine hair is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's because I was trying to think of like how would I stage it? I'd stage it like my well, I'd stage it like mine hair. Oh, because it's mine hair. Like that's just mm-hmm. what it is. Let's do Skid Row, but yeah. set it in like seedy London. Right. Okay. Done. Like, yeah. And let's do like, you know, that scene in a, you know, let's do the confrontation from Les Mis, except let's do it with one actor on a video screen at the end of the show. And we'll still call it confrontation. Yeah. It's yeah, it's that. <laughs> yeah. Let's do contrapuntal. They numbers, already, everybody's they doing already got the right word. Right. It's the right title. <laughs> we We're going to do it better. But let's just use also, one person. He almost says Jekyll and Hyde, but he doesn't. And it drives me nuts every time when he says. <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on. You know you want to. Don't don't pretend. Don't have airs. At this point, you're going to have airs. <laughs> Leslie Brickus, come on. I heard that other song. They're they're crazy. I love this show so much, Laura. Thank you so much for bringing it in. Because it very is welcome. unironically and somewhat ironically. I love this show. I, I think it's it's crazy. And on so many levels, and when everybody, when people complain about musical theater, this is what they're complaining about. Oh, sure. But it's so much but fun to revisit that's it. That's the thing is, if you're into it, like, don't pay $150 to see the show. But if your local high school is doing it or college, run, don't walk. I mm-hmm. think you'll be like, yep, that's that was a hot mess, and I'm so I'm so here for it. I paid 10 bucks to see it. Yeah. Boy, this was that's a good the 10 best bucks. version of this that I could possibly have seen. And I would. If, a high, if BCC does it or somebody else does it, I'm going. I'm yeah. 100% going because I can't wait to see what you do with this giant mess of a show. <laughs> uh, what do you have going on right now? Um, I that you can am... share with our listeners. They can follow you on Twitter at LST. Yes, at LST Miller. Sorry. No, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. I forgot your last name for a second. That's, <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> LST Miller. Um, or I'm also on Facebook. I am on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I work at First Stage as the literary manager. Mm-hmm. I teach at uh, Montgomery College. Um, I teach with Educational Theater Company. I'm you're all over the place. I, yeah, you're I'm a theater educator about town as well as 
um, a dramaturg for hire. Ah. And, <laughs> and, the best kind. Um, <laughs> I uh, work for Helen Hayes, so I'm always oh, okay. going Out around town to sure. see lots all of kinds of things. Shows. All right. Great. Thank you so much for coming down and talking about Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> You're very welcome. I'm so glad to have this back in my life and to bring it back into your life. Oh, so much. <laughs> I can't, I don't know that I'll listen to it for another 20 years, but that like it was. sounds just about just right. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts from the convenience of your iPhone and or check out the original cast on Stitcher if that's how you get down. My thanks to Laura Esty Miller. I'm Patrick Flynn. And I can't. I have rehearsal. This is the moment, the sweetest moment of them all. This is the moment, damn all the odds. This day or never, I'll sit forever with the gods. When I look back.